This podcast is brought to you by the OBSBOT Tiny 2, an AI-powered webcam with amazing clarity and features. Use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 5% off this device and support Moore's Law is Dead. But also support Moore's Law is Dead by using the offer code BROKENSILICON for 10% off Vite Ramen or the offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Windows keys at cdkeyoffer.com. You can also use DieString to get 3% off everything else on that website, and we'll talk about these supporters later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and today I am joined by somebody, and I checked right before we started recording that I believe this episode is coming out exactly one year after when you came on before, and usually it's within 8 to 14 months after a previous guest, if they're a guest that's involved in news that happens every year, and you are one with VR. It's rare that it's exactly one year, but you know, since you were on Bradley your channel's grown a ton and mine's actually grown a lot too. And so I think people would appreciate it. Please reintroduce yourself to the listeners of Broken Silicon. Hi, I'm Brad, um, known as Sadly It's Bradley on social media. Uh, I just cover VR, uh, mostly VR for sure, but you know, VR is starting to leak into this augmented reality realm. So it's a little bit of that, but I'm very hardware focused and, and more particularly the near future of hardware, um, just trying to give you an idea of what progressions are happening in this industry that, as you said, is kind of like, feels like it's exploding right now. Yeah, I, God, of course, that was over a year ago that I discovered your channel. Um, and I remember looking at some of your stuff and going, no, I, I do know why. I, I believe it was because I was starting to talk to someone at Meta and I started Googling code names he was telling me. And I was like, this YouTube channel seems to know at least half of these. And oh, <laughs> this is the VR version of my channel. It's very similar <laughs> videos. Like you really, it is very similar. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely um, been known to do leaks in that uh, here and there. Um, I think I'm well known to do like leaks of the Quest Pro, uh, the Quest 3 and valve's upcoming headset but i've done i've done other stuff other than that um i'm not i, I won't say i'm a leak focused channel but like again when you're so interested in like the hardware progressions that some of that just kind of trickles in into your brain <laughs> well you know and people make fun of me for saying this now and i've, I've basically been saying it throughout my entire channel's life as i say i don't really think of this moore's law as dead as like a leaking channel i never intended it to be a leaking channel but over time know someone reaches out after i do an opinion video from intel and they're like that's wrong i'm like how do you know it's wrong well i mean i work here i, I designed the freaking thing actually that there was one of those about like the ps4's architecture and he's like i know you're wrong about it because i designed it so and here's proof i just like this is why i know you're wrong about this one thing <laughs> and just over time it's like well you know they know people and then they know people and eventually you go well if if instead of guessing at what's going to happen in the future 
I can literally know. <laughs> it kind of makes my opinion videos better if I literally leak and know what's going to happen. And so, I don't know, people call me a leak channel. I, you seem like the biggest VR leaker by far from what I can tell. <laughs> I, I don't pay as much attention, though. So if I'm insulting any other channel, I apologize. But, you know, uh, I, I, it's just, I don't know. I think at a certain point, half of the people will just think of you as a leaker channel and the other half follow you because they genuinely enjoy your content a lot. But the reason they might think of that is it gets headlines when you leak. And so that's how they found you. So that's what first impression probably was for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree. It's like uh, it, it feels like I've been kind of thrown into this leaking because same thing. I didn't start this channel with the leaking focus. I just did stuff that interests me. And you explained it perfectly. <laughs> well, so. I guess just the last question I have kind of in the introduction phase of this conversation is I don't remember, like, what got you into this? Was it just you had an opinion, thought people were getting something wrong? Or was it like you did a tutorial on how people could do things? So I've seen you've done a lot of those as well. So um, if you're talking about just the channel in general, I mean, I've been doing this for since 2016. I've been a YouTube channel. Um, it was a hobbyist thing. Like, uh, I got a chance to win a early version of the HTC Vive. And I was like, mm. oh, this is cool. I want to do videos showing off the content back then. And it, it blew up a little bit back then. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing this. And seven years later, my channel has been transitioning between different areas of VR, but it's definitely been still focused on this one thing. So is it yeah. scary to realize that 2016 is seven years ago? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it it it. it that sounds me, like a recent year to me, you know, but it's it, it's it really does. not anymore. <laughs> the nine, I remember when I got the nine eighty Ti uh, tie, like literally that year for the Vive, and it feels like that card's not even that old, but it is <laughs> now. So yeah. Well, okay. So last time you came on, we talked about the Quest Two, PlayStation VR Two, rumors about upcoming devices from about a handful of companies. Um, and I do feel like we're starting to enter into the new, a new era of VR right now, but my personal opinion, and I don't want to say it until you give yours, is that I'm not sure we're going into a new era the way I was hoping we were about to a year ago. Um, but before I explain my point of view, how would you summarize the current VR landscape? Has it really changed that much from when we last talked a year ago? And then just again, how would you summarize it either way? Uh, no, actually, I, I think it hasn't really changed since a year ago. And um, I actually don't think it's going to change too much at all still for another maybe five years. Um, I, I still see, even with the Apple announcement as this uh, medium, as very enthusiast focused. Um, I, I don't see it becoming like the smartphone replacement that you, you hear startups pitch <laughs> in this in this medium or whatever. But um, it's definitely getting way more useful to where I think... Uh, People who know how to use these tools are going to benefit a lot, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to be like grandma and grandpa are going to go pick up VR headsets in droves. Mm -hmm. And I think, God, it was like the Oculus Kickstarter a decade ago, like almost exactly a decade ago, right? That then got a bunch of buzz, and then a year later, Sony was showing off stuff. Samsung was showing off a smartphone you can put into a headset thing. Google said cardboard's the future. And yeah, I mean, and I think they all said a decade ago, we think this can be mainstream in a decade. The technology is here, but we are here a decade now. Do you think VR 
will be mainstream in a decade from now? Do you think they were just off by a decade? Like everyone seems to be, including about self-driving and stuff. So I see VR right now on a lot of devices as like buying a computer in the 70s. I feel like we're in that phase. And I think 10 years from now, it might be more closer to the 90s of where like homes are starting to have at least one main use VR headset to do a lot of different tasks, not just gaming. But uh, even 10 years, I'm, not, I'm still not really sure that every single person is going to own their own VR headset to do all these things. Um, I, I think, like, you know, the Quest 2 was obviously, like, uh, it was another hype moment, right, where they sold so many units, but a lot of those units are in closets now, and that's a big problem for the company. Um, so if you... If, I, I, I like to bring up Palmer Lucky. Um, he he did like a podcast in 2018 where if you take a lot of the current technologies for VR and AR and even gave it out for free, mm. a lot of those headsets still would just end up in closets. And I, I really yeah. do agree with that, honestly. Like, I think you just really, the hardware needs to get there to where the point where people do want to spend more than 30 minutes in these in these uh these, like these 30 minutes a month because of some 3d trailer or some reason they dug it out of their closet yeah a mobile like a, a smartphone powered vr game or something like it's it, it's it's it doesn't have that pizzazz as it did even 10 years ago or even five years ago because it's just kind of uh, i i think there was this huge rush again like like back in 2012 where like there these companies were so focused on pushing the numbers to get this mainstream but it, I really do think it kind of hurt um, the imaging a little bit. So, Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, I can't help, and I think we talked about this a year ago, that a lot of people, when they bring up VR, they'll say, oh, I tried the Call of Duty demo at a game show in 2014, and man, the resolution seemed low. Or probably even more people, uh, I tried... <laughs> Google Cardboard, and it sucked a decade ago. <laughs> and so is it much better than that? And to those people, I go, oh, the Quest 2 I have, it's shockingly better than what we had five, even five years ago. Shockingly. it's The resolution could be better, but it's fine. You can use it wirelessly. Wirelessly with my desktop, it works fine, too. Like, when I'm downstairs, uh, my I guess I might actually have an ideal house because technically I have an Ethernet cord up to my desktop, and then I wirelessly connect to my you know wi-fi downstairs which is right next to like an open room so maybe this is the ideal setup but i don't notice the latency that much using it wirelessly and i can use um well i was the last time i used it unfortunately i guess i'm giving it away using a 3070 now there's a 4090 here that i actually haven't tried out yet with the quest 2 i'm sure it looks a lot better but you know at the same time though i still see a lot of people going oh it's better well let me know when it's perfect and I was really hoping, this is the other thing I'm of a mind about. A year ago, I thought we were not going to go mainstream, but we were going to get beyond niche, like almost semi-mainstream, because we had Apple was going to do it. A new Quest was coming out. I think me and you were both hoping they'd go for cheaper so they could take even more market share. And I think we both assumed that the PlayStation VR 2 could be a $300 device that hooks up to a $400 console, and that is not what happened. And you know, I caught a lot of controversy actually late last year because I got the entire bomb specs or and pricing, which turned out 100% correct for what the Quest 3 is going to be. And they just went all for margin. But not only did Meta 
but also PlayStation did even to a greater degree. And then I look at, I always heard the Apple VR device was going to be at least 1500, maybe 2500. Now it's 3500. Something I talked about in a recent podcast is it just kind of to me seems like Sony, Meta, Apple, they all decided it's not ready for mainstream. It's ready for milking. Am I wrong? Like every company seems to have decided we want big profit margins, not market share this gen. Um, yeah, I, w- I was actually pretty shocked. I think all those devices, PSVR 2 was the one I was most shocked about, like its final price. And um, it, I think it's it, it's a kind of an interesting place. It's like kind of the only VR-only focused gaming device that's going to be out for the next four years, probably, um, in this generation, because you see a lot of these companies are either switching to standalone focus and uh, mixed reality. AR is a big, big focus. So I, I was pretty shocked to see PSVR 2 um, when I reviewed it, I, I was shocked about a lot of decisions they made um, with that hardware, and it does feel a little, little bit like that. Now, these other products like Quest Three and Apple headset, um, I, I, I feel less of that personally. I actually still feel Quest Three is um, surprisingly cheap for what they're trying to do with it. Uh, like, there's going to be because really, like, even I think the Quest Three's like usability is going to be quite heavier um compared to the quest 2 because they're doing all the ar stuff now and that's like the, mm-hmm. the big the big focus you mean um, like even easier to use or cumbersome when you say heavier um no like uh like 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 i don't mean like heavier but as in like it, I, I just think it'll be better like functionality um and I, mm-hmm. I think people will start seeing more than just the, the vr game side of all of this hardware which i'm i'm very vr positive like i i I think a lot of these like the quest pro uh was meta's mixed reality device that's what they marketed it as Mm -hmm. like you're gonna be able to use it all the time and overlay virtual things in your real life environment but the ar sucked in that thing it was awful like it it made you you legally blind it then like like how yeah i have it right here it's um it's it it feels like something that left the lab (laughs) as Mm -hmm. i like to say like they just they just wanted to throw something out there maybe to say they did it first or something compared to apple but um using ar in this thing is like again it makes you feel like you're legally blind <laughs> and i i think they sacrifice all the good stuff in that headset for the vr side that's that's getting to a pretty good spot you know you're talking about how people compare things to the awful google cardboards and stuff and and they went for the mixed reality I think the Quest 3 Mixed Reality is actually going to be way better than the Quest mm-hmm. Pro based on the way they're doing it. Um, so I, I, I do see this like $500 price point as like pretty good for Quest 3. Um, I don't think it's going to be mainstream because it, it, it is more expensive and people kind of do see Quest line as kind of like a toy now. I hate mm-hmm. to say it, but that's how most people see it. Um, now for the Apple headset, I'm actually personally really glad what they're doing um, mm-hmm. with their strategy, I, I really, I, I really do think. Again, it goes back to my belief that even if you gave a lot of these headsets for free with the current technology of like the Quest Two or Quest Three or whatever, people just wouldn't use it all the time. Um, where Apple's taking the opposite approach, they're like using all these ridiculous, like the, the extreme high end. Um, not only are they probably going to take a like a profit margin, as you say, on these things, which I think is more healthy. For the way the state the industry in is in um but it also kind of is this this star in the sky for these other companies who've been kind of focused on 
this battle of the low the low tier right like everyone's like mm-hmm. we gotta out subsidize each other to make hardware that seems you know it's pretty okay but it's not I, I really don't think any of this hardware is going to get us to that mainstream point and I, we need more companies to copy the apple route to get these expensive technologies to come down in price um like even the displays in the apple headset i think uh, it's reported that are like 700 dollars for the two displays that uh are your eyes are in front of and like oh, those yeah. things, I, I think the Apple device is the most expensive device because it is by far the most expensive to make. <laughs> like yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah. I think thirty five hundred. I still have a. Maybe I'm wrong though. I know you follow this more closely. Maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong. I find it a little like they're still just throwing a five hundred dollars on top of what they normally would have for how much it it's costs very to Apple. Make. Yeah, but I think even if they weren't milking it a little bit it'd probably still be at least a two thousand dollar device and they probably figure anyone who has room for a two or twenty five hundred dollar device probably has money for a thirty five hundred so i'm very um i'm only big like on like uh following the the, like the overall like final design of the hardware i'm very big on especially the displays inside of vr headsets because i think displays are like you build a whole headset around what display you put in these things right Mm -hmm. and um the yielding, not for just the headset, the Apple headset is low, but also the displays. That um, so they, they use micro OLED displays, which are not the same OLED that you put mm-hmm. on TVs or in smartphones. They're literally OLED that you deposit on top of silicon wafers. So you are making actual wafer chips and then depositing a whole OLED process on top of it. So if your chip is bad already, well, you have a 12-inch wafer. You, you can see how the yielding can be pretty low for this somewhat micro leds only been mostly used for the military up until now so it's mm-hmm. it's, it's not a mass that matter those are tens of thousands of dollar devices they're honestly the material cost isn't even that important for half of it yeah yeah exactly exactly but uh getting that to consumer volumes even even the first generation apple volumes like i'm, I'm hearing there's still a lot of troubles uh with, with, with a lot of the yielding stuff for the apple headset um and the displays in it but you know th- those things will improve. And I, I do think uh, even the second gen Apple Vision Pro will get cheaper because going back to like to the this good thing is now that Apple has announced a device and is releasing a device with displays like these, you have companies like Samsung and LG and tons of companies in China that are now building their own fabs just to get in line to be suppliers for that next headset. And you'll have other mm. companies like you know Valve or Meta or whatever that want to get a piece of that. So every everything's leveling up now because of what Apple's doing. So I'm I'm still, you know, yeah, it's expensive. It's not <laughs> anywhere close to mainstream. Uh, it's, it's but I I'm still pretty happy with how it's going. Yeah, I mean, me and my brother Dan just did a die shrink episode talking about the Apple Vision Pro and it's funny because I think a lot of people expect a predominantly PC gaming hardware channel to look at any expensive Apple device and go expensive Apple. And then we just make fun of it for an hour. But for the most part, we don't have that many bad things to say. I mean, it's expensive, but like, I mean, the included processing power just dwarfs everything else on the market. The screen's insane. It even has some hilarious ski goggles thing for seeing people's eyes, which actually Dan suggested uh, that might look goofier than we think it will, because in trailers, you're watching on a, a trailer for the Vision Pro on a 2D panel. 
consider that next to them, you can see in 3D and it may just look like this goofy, like someone glued a picture of someone's <laughs> eyes on them. It may look really like silly. It, it, it'll um, probably look a little weird. Um, have you ever seen a, uh, a looking glass display? No. So it, they're using lenticulars, which is they, they put these little like lines and then they render the image a special way. So there's like actually like a 3D uh, you, you can have you can from certain angles, you can look at stuff and it's actually rendering a different image based on. the angle OK, you're so looking it is at it a, from. somewhat of a 3D. OK, that's interesting then. And that can't be cheap. <laughs> it's not. Uh, in fact, they, they even said that this is the first curved lenticular display. So that, that's a whole other that's a whole other thing that's not yielding well, by the way. I also heard that display that they put up there. Um, so they had the power to mm-hmm. around 3.5 by 3.5K per eye. So it's two of those. And then like the outside display, I'm hearing there's a lot of issues with the bandwidth requirements of yeah. running all of those three displays with mm-hmm. the M2 chip, which is why they're not showing that to press yet. They're still they're still trying to figure that out a little bit. But um. I still think it. I still think of all the features in it. That's the one feature I, I'm like. I don't. I I would cut it out and like make a cheaper device more than anything else they're putting in this headset. But it's interesting. Well, you know, and, and what me and Dan think is, I mean, there's two ways to go about VR. You can do the race to the bottom side that Meta tried and kind of seemed like they ran out of money as a company. Um, and if that's what you do, you're just trying to get it into everybody's hands so people have to support it so that market share grows. But there is this other side you can go if you are a, like, you know, Batman villain rich company that just doesn't care if it works. And you can say, well, what we're going to do is make it so good at everything compared to everything else that it's absurd. It's going to have the best display, the best included graphics. It's going to let you be able to see people's eyes like they're wearing ski goggles, except they're not. And, you know, it's actually going to be kind of lighter than a lot of devices, too. Like, this is going to be the most absurd thing ever. And then we're going to just throw it out there. Only like a million crazy rich people will own it. <laughs> but at least it does everything the best. And then we'll wait five years and see what apps are built. And then we'll say, okay, we didn't need this. We didn't need that. That was a waste of money. That was a waste of money. But at least we built what would be a $1,000 device in a 10 years and now we can make it that $1,000 device because we know what we don't need to include, but at least we didn't hold developers back. It's almost like Google glass times 10, except I think they'll actually follow through on it because they're not Google. <laughs> I, I, I actually totally agree with you. I, I think Apple themselves don't know how, how useful the software is going to be for, with the developer stuff. That's, that's why they, they pitched this device at WWDC more than anything else. I think they really, are begging developers to make something that um, not only, I mean, I, I was pretty happy with the, what kind of stuff they were showing to the general masses, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff that I, I want to see on there. That's not just the, the flat panels in, in your virtual or mm-hmm. real life space. So I, I do agree with that. Well, you know, that was actually, I want to get into a little bit of the criticism of it though. Like one of the things Dan brought up uh, is he goes, you know, and, and actually I said this too, like, the whole point of like a VR device that can do everything that they're mostly advertising it for, which is like a big TV pretending you're in another area. Let's be honest. This is <laughs> the joke we made is can we be honest. Doesn't it kind of seem like billionaires are like getting the pod so we can have all the money like to get in your pod. Give us the money. You don't need anything else. You get in the pod. But that argument only works if the device is one hundred and fifty dollars. Like <laughs> I can go buy a 
80-inch OLED TV, probably, and all the other stuff I would use this VR device for for the same price of the device by itself. That's, that's really the biggest criticism I would have for this thing is it is still, though, at a price that's so high that the arguments of what you would use it for is like, oh, what's the equivalent of like a 120-foot TV? And it's like, you know what also is the equivalent of that? A five-foot TV that I'm sitting closer to, you know? I don't like what what do you yeah. say to that though cuz a lot of people say this looks like a device in search of a problem is there any chance though this does completely fall flat in your minds like I I guess I don't know how much success they want it's gen 1 it's kind of a developer device they probably don't expect it to sell well but do you think there's a chance like there's a ton of hype when it comes out no one buys it and it is almost a google-esque situation or not Personally I don't believe that at all um maybe that that's <sighs> I, I yeah I, I actually don't think it's going to like be such a disaster that they don't want to mm-hmm. continue to enter this market. I think they are aware, like you said. Like I, I don't think they're going to sell huge volumes. Um, I, I do think that they're going to iterate as they can, just like any other company is going to try to iterate in this space. The one thing I do want to kind of like uh, be like a devil's advocate um, to the whole like, what will people buy in a $3,500 headset, whether it comes to, like, software or, like, doing all these things. So there's, like, a joke. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big kind of believer in social virtual reality, stuff like VR chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kind of a joke among the community that VR chat is free, but it's actually the most expensive VR game ever if you get into it because you have people buying, like, full-body trackers, like, head- mm. extreme headsets just to have a better experience in it. And then you're buying avatars. You're buying clothes for your avatars. So I think the people who are willing to buy, like, $3,500, like, this super fancy luxury thing, they're probably going to be the same people that are willing to pay even more to buy, like, expensive headbands for the headset, um, expensive clothes mm. for the avatars over time. Um, I-, I-, I do... It's actually kind of scary, like 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 your friend said. Uh, it is it is scary because they are kind of putting us in a pod in the in the long term. I, I do think that just like how successful gaming is with microtransactions, I do think that they realize we can turn life <laughs> into mm-hmm. a microtransaction uh, digital economy sort of hell, which I already see it now. So I, I do see that happening. So it is a worry. <laughs> This piece of content is brought to you by the OBSBOT Tiny 2. The OBSBOT Tiny 2 is a 4K webcam with AI power capabilities that include an ultra-large 1.5 CMOS allowing for excellent color performance, sharper pictures, and more vivid videos for the user, and it can even achieve exceptional imaging in both dim and glaring lighting conditions by combining two native ISOs in the aforementioned CMOS to automatically switch to the appropriate ISO based on lighting conditions. And it also has great auto zoom and auto tracking with a two axis gimbal and deep learning neural network algorithm. And that's right, the OBSBOT Tiny 2 can accurately and fluently track targets to keep a person in focus throughout a video. That includes hand tracking, head tracking, and more parts of the body as well, depending on what you tell it to do. And if you are busy walking around while you use this thing, you can use hands-free voice controls or even the included remote that has a built-in laser that's admittedly pretty fun for messing around with my dog as a side bonus. All of this is true, by the way. I actually tested it and I was 
well, admittedly a bit surprised that it actually worked as well as they said it would. And when it comes to the built-in mic, I gotta say that if I had a bit more sound isolation and dampening in here, and especially if I wasn't using this for podcasts, I just watched to make sure I was never peeking. I actually think this way good enough for a Zoom call or something. And so when I'm looking to build a new studio this year, and I am for Moore's Law is Dead, I think the OBSBOT might actually make a, a pinnacle use as a way for me to make more dynamic videos where I can go around a studio, test things, and talk to you while I'm moving around and working. And this is something that I hadn't considered could be this easy to do with a tiny little device. I genuinely do recommend this product. It's honestly the best camera I've seen for professionals that isn't some $1,000 dedicated camera. It absolutely smokes other wannabe 4K professional webcams. And I'm not gonna name names to be polite, but I've tried them all. You know which ones are popular. This is better than those. And so, well, it's not the cheapest webcam on offer. I honestly think it's the best one. And I honestly think if you were like a budding YouTuber, you might wanna consider using this instead of like a 500 or $1,000 like dedicated camera. Anyways, I could talk about this all day. If you are interested in this product, please make sure you use the link in the description and also the code on screen and in that description as well. Check out the OBSBOT Tiny 2. Support Moore's Law is Dead when you do so today. Well, I guess to pivot to that a little bit, how worried are you about that though? Because my personal opinion is that there, I mean, since the 90s, there have been people that have been living terminally online. Yeah. I mean, and I think the better the tech gets, the higher that percentage will be. But my personal opinion is, I guess I don't know the exact amount, but let's say 5 to 10% of people. If it got crazy good, those are the people that might just live in the pod. <laughs> I have this, maybe it's naivete about it, but I think 90% of people will just choose not to. That they'll go, yeah, I use it for fun. I do this. I do that. But, uh... I think I'm going to go outside and uh, get a beer. I think I think 90% <laughs> of people will yeah. choose not to. Um, and that is one thing I, wor I, I think about, though, with this is like a lot of these companies that try to scale these devices based on an economy that needs this much money coming in to be profitable, they'll find we can really milk 10% of the population, but we're never going to convince <laughs> Zuckerberg. We're never going to have business meetings where we look like me's. Okay, this is <laughs> yeah, not happening. No, no. no mm -hmm. one's doing that. Why would I do that and just, yeah. not just use Zoom? I, that's insane. I, I don't know if you think about that or if you actually do have a worry about that becoming some kind of like a dystopian AR future. Um, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I don't go outside much. But <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think my worries mostly come from like, I, I do believe a marginally large amount of people will eventually take part in this sort of like digital age or whatever this this well, i don't even know what to call it anymore there's so many names for it i do think a lot of people eventually will come to it especially because uh, even if the people are not interested in vr i think the same people that would be interested in going out and grabbing a beer will be extremely interested in ar more than the vr side of things mm. um and even augmenting also just using it while you're walking around then Eventually, I don't think we're gonna get there anytime. No. Like, yeah, but yeah, I, I do think stuff like that is. I, I'm more worried about who's in control of the platforms when it comes to that point because um, companies do exploit as much as they can, and if they can control what you see whenever you go anywhere, that is horrifying to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess. 
I don't there, I don't know that much to go into that because it's getting a little off <laughs> getting, subject yeah. of an off subject. But it's like I, I think um I don't know. We'll see. I you know there's I think it's always surprises some people like you know like a government or someone tries to do this and then just like that there's protests and it's like we'll see we'll see if we put up with it. Um, I bet there's and I I I I'm going to suspect there's some things in the future we'll be surprised that this is what everyone ended up putting up with, but then we'll be surprised. Oh, we just didn't put up with any of this bullshit over here. So yeah. I mean that that's always how it seems to pan out where it's like over time, we're just like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. But then, then they're like, you guys are just, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I have a good example. If you, okay. if you let me, um, you know, like Google glass, when it came out, the glass holes thing, like it was mm-hmm. t- totally unokay back then to have an idea of where you wear glasses, with cameras in them, like no matter what cameras, privacy concerns, all that. Oh yeah. Now, there's a lot of products that release like like that, and like even this like uh, the the Quest Two, the Quest Three, uh, the Apple headset, array of cameras at this point. But you don't hear people talking the same way as people thought about Google Glass back then. So so, yeah. so social social awareness of things has changed already in ten years. So I I, I do have that feeling that uh, things that we feel are weird today won't be that weird um even within a decade so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess to kind of put a bow on what you said like yeah so to this day people will probably be mad if they could obviously tell you're filming everything around you but if you're recording everything around you ah, go for it apparently I don't know. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. yeah it's going on twitter oh can you tag me you know it's, yeah. it's just like that um terminal junkie speaking of living online terminally writes in and says hello bradley and tom do you anticipate apple will make its own version of the google cardboard for the pores do you foresee iphones and airpods and headsets with trackers maybe just all coming together as some cheap jerry-rigged solution for us the headset was 500 dollars to go along with those things could you see that being the se version of apple vr uh no personally i i think uh so comparing just like samsung gear vr um now all of those are now ee waste you, you go to goodwill electronic section is full of these stupid cardboard and samsung gear vrs like no one wants them they're a ton of e-waste um and I, I think it comes down to you have a lot of benefits when you design around a vr design rather than putting your smartphone that is not designed in mind for putting mm-hmm. super close up to your eyes like uh for example uh the iphone displays are around like 460 pixels per inch um the original htc vive had better pixels per inch than the current iphones do for example so when you magnify that image you you're gonna see that huge screen door effect that people hated mm-hmm. uh, another thing is you know people like thin light headsets as well Pancake lenses, that's like the new big craze for optics. Uh, Your smartphone is just not bright enough at all to get any light through those pancake lenses. You Mm. need super bright displays. That So you need to design a VR headset with all the VR components in mind. I actually think it's more likely that Apple or other companies might start putting components like in certain ways to get people more to their VR headset than the other way around. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, for example... uh, so this is called a uh, a loom pad. It's it's a it's, it's a neat. It's like a, got a uh, 
a light field display so you can look at 3D images without 3D glasses on. Mm. Um, and what's cool is both sides, even the selfie cam, have stereoscopic cameras. So you can actually go out in public and record either yourself or things you're looking at in 3D mm-hmm. and look at it uh, with the, the non-3D glasses display. And in VR, you can do the same thing. You can actually view 3D content mm-hmm. while you're wearing the VR sense uh, goggles because it goes... It's rendering each view per eye anyway, so you can have 3D players. Apple's already showing that off, for example. They showed like the memories where you can click record on the headset, and it's recording stereoscopic videos. So I think it's more likely, again, that products are more going to be like designed and tailored to start doing things that benefit the VR headset more than VR headsets design around the Yeah, the idea stuff. of like you can tape these five things together and make a VR headset for free is the focus is going to be on a no. We're making all your devices have a VR use for every app you have. We're trying to get you to get the VR headsets that you finally start using this thing. Yep, just like uh, Apple installed that watch app on everyone's phone (laughs) when it came out. And people didn't want it, but it was there. And it was like a little tingle in their mind that I need need to get the watch now for this phone. So... (laughs) And that was a question Gwen Farron wrote in about, like asking about the form factor of like the Samsung Dive and all of these like cardboard like things. Do you think this is ever going to go anywhere? You're basically saying you think all of that's going to die off soon or not advance at all, I guess. I don't think so. I I think if anyone does it, it'll be like a company like Nintendo who doesn't care much about (laughs) like high end hardware. They always, uh, you know, can sell anything if they have the good enough software. So, yeah, you know. That, that's kind of funny. Um, I had someone NX Gamer on earlier this year, and he talked about how if you think about the Nintendo Switch 2, an obvious Nintendo gimmick they could come up with. And I don't believe he confirmed he had any information on that. He was just reading between the lines like, couldn't Nintendo take all these VR, I mean, like 3D things they've done and say the Switch 2 can also plug into a Nintendo VR device? Like, Wouldn't that be a logical evolution of the switch possibly if they wanted a big gimmick when everyone else is doing vr stuff i wonder if you've heard any rumors about that or what you think about them doing that yeah i haven't heard anything about like anything concrete um i i think they're just waiting and see like microsoft is kind of taking that approach to vr too but uh they kind of did that with the, the there was a labo vr kit and even though it was like super bare bones the idea is you you built like with the cardboard like things that slide in the headset or the switch into it and you can do some very simple games with it. And it worked, it worked pretty well, even though clearly the switch wasn't designed for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, 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 again, I, I, I haven't heard anything concrete. So, all right, let me start moving forward then um, towards PlayStation VR two and the quest three, because we've kind of been ta- dancing around directly talking about them um i guess let's start with the quest 3 because we've already i'd say talk about that more so you said you don't like how people are comparing that to the apple or like we've given our i think generally positive opinion on the apple vision pro and that yeah someone's got to go for the other way around to make it mainstream like because who knows maybe if it's 3500 maybe there will be a killer app and then at least people will see the possibility but like how do you see the quest 3 panning out is it any more expensive than you thought it would be are any of the specs worse it seems like from because i remember i leaked two sets of equipment they could go with i think what they went with was 
in the middle of both of them. Like, and then like, how do you think the quest three looks, um, just in general, like, does it look good to you? Uh, I think it, <laughs> so the way I see it, um, I actually think it looks great as a PC VR device. That's kind of how I look at these headsets still. Um, I, I know they have like a, a much better chip in it, uh, for standalone stuff, but I, I still, I don't know. I, I still feel standalone is on on the on on the quest side is still not that good enough to have really amazing experiences um they're not like m2 grade with an r1 or whatever or anything like that they're not but uh what they're doing um i still think is way better than what i think the quest 2 launched with because i i i they're clearly it's not going for the cheapest of the cheap, clearly. Like, they, they are putting more features in it because they realize cheap is the cheap is just... It, again, gave them, it gave them a lot of volume, um, mm-hmm. but it didn't give them retention rates. So now I'm, I'm glad it's more on the higher end. They're trying to put more features in there. They're not trying to go crazy with the Quest Pro pricing. Um, overall, I think people who want the Apple headset uh, but can't afford it will be mostly happy to buy a Quest 3. But I'm not sure if people that want to do VR gaming or like are interested in VR gaming, I don't see a, a real reason for them to pick up the Quest 3 over the Quest 2, honestly. If they haven't already been interested, why would this make them interested? That's kind of my feeling as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, exactly. I just think it's another kind of dev kit for mixed reality on the Quest side more than anything, actually. You know, or that people... You, you talk about you, bought, you, you use your Quest and you did wirelessly to your PC. Um, it's funny you say that because the Quest 2 is like 50% of all headsets connected to Steam VR. Mm-hmm. Um, next in line is the Index, but I, I can only imagine how painful that is already for Meta to to do some subsidization on hardware just for these people to go to Steam to, <laughs> to buy all their content and play stuff anyway. And I think with Quest 3, you're going to see a lot of that even more because um, people are still interested in VR after Quest 2. They might want something with better comfort, like the pancake lenses and and, the, and stuff like that, but they still might plug it into the, the PC. That, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, the Quest 2 came out, like, what was it? Like three, four years ago? Three years ago, yep. Yeah, and it's if I remember correctly, you could argue the APU is about as strong as an Xbox One base edition, kind of like depending on how you look at it. This one seems to be about double the performance. So we're still at like, I guess, a little better than a PS4. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like not PS4 Pro for sure. The Apple one is at least PS4 Pro, I think, or better. And I'm just wondering, did I actually, it's actually a little stronger than I expected it because when I was talking to, yeah. it, granted this was a year ago, but I was talking to people at Meta and they were just like, Gen 2, it actually has the same name on most documents. Like, it, it doesn't see, it's a, I expected it to be like 30% better. I guess it's about twice as good. Is that better than you were expecting and or worse? And is it good enough though? That's really two different questions. So I think like uh, the problem with like standalone VR is you have a lot of processing there, but a lot of processing is doing other things than just like the game or app. Like you have to process all the computer vision on board. You have to process the display per eye. So like when you compare a headset to a console, console honestly only has to worry about the one view, right? The one the one view on the TV, whereas VR headsets has to worry about the one view per eye. So 
I'm I, I think it's good. Uh, it's definitely a way better improvement than. Um, I think it's a good improvement for sure. I, I'm really frustrated that the Quest Pro didn't actually launch with this uh, this chip because it would have made more mm-hmm. way more sense. But like, uh, no, I remember that, and they said that the one in the Quest Three was going to be stronger, but that the Quest Pro basically just has the same thing but tons of RAM. And I said, why? And he's like, Ugh. like. But <laughs> I guess one thing to explain some of this though is I heard the Quest Three was always intended to come out late 2022 or early 2023 mm-hmm. and that the quest pro was intended to come out a full year before it did at least yeah and there were issues with the pandemic delaying things and meta ran out of money and like a lot of it is coming out a year later they wanted to come out before playstation vr2 and then they didn't so when you look if any of the specs or in the pricing seem a little weird it's because this was intended to come out a long time ago yeah Oh yeah, it, it yeah, and then there was even other problems like the the Quest Pro was supposed to release with a depth sensor, um, mm-hmm. but they had to take that out last minute. And like, Red has had a pretty rough couple of years for sure. I think I think um, yeah, it's it's I I really do think the idea of like uh, splitting. I, I think last time we were talking, um, last show we did, I was talking about this idea where Valve could do like a XR two chip on the headset and then like use that xr2 chip to work together with an x86 chip that's not too different than what apple's doing with the the m2 and the r1 chip yeah so i do think that might become more common um like i I wouldn't be sure like you know you have have qualcomm working on uh their own m2 competitor as well with the the, uh, i think they call it orion series of chips or whatever I, I heard from a source that Samsung was looking into that as well to kind of be like their high-end compete, uh, compute unit for, to compete against Apple for whatever they're doing because they're making a mixed reality headset too. So uh, I am, yeah, I'm happy with the Quest 3's compute, but I still think you really want more because you, you can't... Be, there's another problem too where... Uh, so the Quest 1 just got uh, deprecated completely this year. And they're telling developers to target Quest 2. So even though Quest 3 is coming out, you're going to have a lot of developers focusing on the highest volume sold HMD for that platform, which is the Quest 2. So you won't get a lot of that Quest 3 compute in a lot of games because a lot of these developers are going to focus on the Quest 2 that's still being sold alongside the Quest 3 and has the three to four year old chip inside. So VR needs a lot of compute. That's 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 my final stance on that. Yeah. Well, you know, I was yeah because do you know how much RAM is in the Quest Three? I didn't see that actually. Did they confirm? Um, so they didn't confirm it, but I'm told it's eight gigabytes final. That's what I thought. That's what the bomb yeah. thing said too. I was hoping they'd change that to sixteen, but I guess mm-hmm. it's not stronger than a PS4. So why would they do that? You know, not yeah. much stronger. I'm sure someone in the comments will get mad that it's twenty percent stronger or something. <laughs> I got it wrong, but um. Yeah, I know. And it's like it's like the Quest 2. It had enough to do like, again, you know, any of the entry VR stuff you had when PSVR 1 came out like uh, super hot, but it didn't really have enough to do anything else. Um, And so if it's three years later and it's only twice as good, you're already a little behind where we wanted you. We need something four or five times better. Um, But I guess I actually then want to use this as a chance to pivot into something that we talked about a lot last year. Um, which is you seem to discover that uh, the 
there were these rumors about like, you know, Deckard and Valve seem to be working on a version of the Steam Deck OS that works in VR. And that there is definitely a chance that you could have a situation where you could either use a Steam Deck or Steam Deck 2 as the battery pack VR thing in your pocket while you're using a device. I mean, that could be a lot stronger than what we're seeing in um in any of the other self-contained devices, certainly the Quest 3 soon. Like, I don't I haven't followed actually where the, if that's gone anywhere with your leaks on that. Like, it, do you think Valve is still working on this actively? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've done so I've done quite a few data mines since we last talked and they're still working heavily on it um, in the back end, not only for Steam VR, which is the runtime you you open on PC or whatever, but also on all their Linux and Steam OS and, and GameScope, which is their compositor on the Steam Deck. There's constantly updates related to VR doing every, a lot of the stuff you see on Steam Deck, but in VR. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, and I, there was even a statement, uh, in December, a Valve employee, uh, did say that they're still working on a VR headset. They just can't say more than that, but they, they are definitely working on this. And, and my, my, my research has, <laughs> has not, I'm not swayed out of that. I, I do think that they're still on course for the same idea. Um, I think they're working on a high end headset that wants to, to be like a standalone x86 mm-hmm. compute. VR thing. I really do think that's what they're working on. Um, Seth Domins writes and says, Hey, Bradley and Tom, I'm hoping y'all are having a good day. I'll keep things short and sweet. Your intro wasn't, Seth, but... With the popularity of the Quest, we've seen VR become a pretty big hit with the media. However, VR is still pretty niche overall, PC VR much more so. As someone who loves VR but hates standalone VR games because of the lack of fidelity due to the much less processing power, do you think the Valve Deckard will be the device that will make way for a more powerful standalone headset like the Steam Deck was for more powerful and affordable handhelds? Do you think it's going to happen, though? And this is because it's worth pointing out. There have been all types of things companies have worked on that never came out. Like I know someone that had that saw the Vita too. I won't say anything else besides that because I've been told, please don't. They may figure out who, but this this person saw the Vita too, and it and I guess this person would say it looks like what you would expect, and they canned it because they never thought it was quite ready. Um, and so that can happen. But on the other hand, I also go well if it's not out yet. I mean, wouldn't it be the best time to do it at the same time you launch a Steam Deck too? I mean, Valve isn't a huge company, but I, you know, I'm kind of continuing to ramble. Like Seth's question: Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think this will be the one to make it kind of be a big deal, like the Steam Deck was? I think uh, I, I think it'll be a big deal for the PC VR side. Like I, I think, as the viewer uh, said, like PC VR is really struggled um with the quest honestly um and you, you you do start seeing more vr tiles coming to pc thanks actually to psvr2 because a lot of people who are developing for you know the, the x86 architecture for the psvr2 they're just like why not throw it on steam as well so you are seeing a lot more trickled down mm-hmm. but i i do think the best way i think of this device i don't think it's going to be like a mass market steam deck was but I do think it's going to uh, allow them to kind of do what the Steam Deck did, which is you have a lot of AAA developers making sure that their games run on this pretty, like, not not high-end, obviously, processor, but enough to where if anyone has a PC, if it runs on Steam Deck, 
it runs pretty well for everyone else, right? So it's kind of worth focusing on that just so your game is optimized in general. Yes, that's how I feel that like I, I don't think that like the Deckard's going to be like this it's gonna run Half-Life Alex on ultra settings or anything. But I do think it's going to at least run Half-Life Alex, for example, in a standalone environment and do the same thing with Steam Deck in that regard where they want to push people, they want to push developers who have kind of left the, the platform because there hasn't been much innovation mm-hmm. or much sales there to have this baseline. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I feel it's going to be. But I still, it's going to be a little weird because I do think Valve is still focusing on the high end like they did with the Index. Um, mm-hmm. they're, I don't think they're going to release a 300 to $500 headset like at all, in fact. Um, so... Last time we, well, you've actually tested some handheld uh, performance with VR, though, right? I think I saw on your channel. I'm, I know you've tested. Actually, I think over a year ago you tested the Steam Deck, and you've tested the ROG Ally as well, right? Yeah, that's uh, that was yeah. My last video was kind of going into the some of those experiments. Um, yeah, I, 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 and not only did I use the ROG Ally, even though it's really not good for the silicon and it's not designed for this, I wanted to make sure it was only running at 15 watts for all my tests because I was mm-hmm. like, well, if an x86 APU came out for VR, you would probably want around that wattage range for portability reasons and battery life. Um, and I was actually pretty impressed. Like, I, I, I wouldn't say it was like... I, basically, what I said in my video is I wouldn't tell people to go out to buy the ROG Ally now to mm-hmm. do VR, PC VR. But like, um, what I did was I actually ran it with the Quest Pro um, with the virtual desktop software. And what's cool about that uh, that software on the headset is they have a lot of this like split compute stuff where like uh, you know how, like there's the AMD FSR, but recently there's the I don't know what, I don't know what Snapdragon calls it, but there's there's a their mm-hmm. version of that. Um, what's cool is that the virtual desktop can take a low resolution, low, lowly rendered game image from SteamVR, send it to the headset wirelessly, and then the chip on the Quest Pro and or Quest 2 upscales that to where it's like higher quality. So it's oh. like that split compute stuff. And I was getting really good frame rates. Um, and some like I was able to run Half Life Alex at like 72 hertz for okay. a, a lot of the stuff and everything already. Um, the biggest problems that came with my experiments was just none of the software was designed for this use case. And I, I think a company like Valve would have to develop it from scratch to make it work amazingly. But I, I, I was pretty happy with what uh, where things are going there. Yeah, I, I think it just needs to be a more mainstream device than the ROG Ally. Like, I didn't send this to you before we started recording, but I'll actually have Gerard put this on screen while we're talking here. Like, from I, I don't know if this will surprise you, but I actually had some sales data sent to me for the ROG Ally. It's not selling very well. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that surprise does that surprise you at all. Not really. I, I, I uh, <laughs> the person I when I bought it at Best Buy, um. They were like, what the heck is that? And uh, the guy that works there said, oh, I told the guy that works there. He's like, oh, this is the the, the uh, Asus Steam Deck. And they're like, Asus made a Steam Deck? And like, you know, yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> That's funny, too, because the person told me, um, at least at one of the major retailers selling it in the U.S., oh, we had a huge push from Asus and AMD, and they paid for a bunch of advertising for it um sounds like it didn't get through to even all the people working there 
Um, but this person also told me that it was specifically at least 30% below sales expectations. And I, I don't think that they were very high expectations either. So I don't know. I didn't, you, I brought that up because you brought up software. Everything that I've heard about the ROG Ally and read and seen online and reviews is um, it's it just doesn't work very well. And honestly, half of the Steam Decks, and I agree, like everything I've seen like for years, like a new Tiger Lake APU comes out and Linus Tech Tips has this four, like, you know, 1440p handheld gaming PC. And half of his mm-hmm. discussion is just like the games won't boot. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and it seems like like the Steam Deck yeah, it doesn't have all your games. I guess you can't play Battlefield on it. Or actually, maybe you can. I don't really don't know. Um, but at least the games you can play, you can play, you know. I I really, yeah, actually, um, I, I did come to actually, I have a Steam Deck as well. And I actually did come to appreciate my Steam Deck more after just dealing with the software on the Ally. Because um, it... it Windows is just not good for handhelds. It really is just a mess. Like they, they, they did. I could tell Asus put a little bit of effort into trying to fix mm-hmm. that, but it's just so nice to be able to like e- even the desktop mode on Steam Deck having like touch pads to do that stuff is way better than the joysticks, for example, on the Ally. But yeah, software is not consumer friendly. I would even say for that device. Well, yeah, I think we'd agree then that at least right now, like this can't be a project someone like Asus throws together in three months and then makes it. This needs to be like a long-term vision and like and a vision that leads into other things so that they want to support it. Because like the reason Valve will put all this effort into the Steam Deck is it's not just about making money selling the deck and then growing that market. It's about actually one of the most interesting points I've heard brought up is it makes people want to buy the game on Steam instead of the Epic Store because they know that game will run on a Steam Deck. And even yeah. if you don't have a Steam Deck, you know long term, oh, maybe someday, though, this will be running on other devices. I should get the version. I should even pay more for the version that's on Steam. And in addition to that, this is a way for Valve to finally force people to develop for Linux. I mean, and this benefits them so much more than, and that's something Asus is never going to bother with, nor any other company. So I think, you know, in terms of like standalone devices, whether handheld or VR and x86, it's going to probably have to be Valve. For the first half of this year, have you felt like a dog chasing its tail as you scour CD websites and eBay to find any place you can get reasonably priced Microsoft products? Well, you don't need to do that anymore. Just go to cdkeyoffer.com, the best place to get Microsoft operating systems, office products, select games, and even some gaming hardware peripherals for reasonable prices. And you know, they're always doing special promotions. Right now, in fact, they are doing their mid-year sales event that you're not going to want to miss. So whether you're looking for Steam, EA, Uplay, or PlayStation keys, or of course, Microsoft products or gaming peripherals, support Moore's Law is Dead by using the offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Microsoft products and DieShrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Support Moore's Law is Dead by supporting one of our best long-term sponsors, cdkeyoffer.com today. And one thing we talked about about a Steam Deck too is we were hoping something called Little Phoenix (laughs) would be strong enough to run the Steam Deck, but Unfortunately, what I can communicate right now, well, there's two things to communicate really, right? Number one, Valve has basically directly said, we have no intention of making a new one for at least two years. And I think this is like half a year old, but still. Uh, And then the second thing was, 
Little Phoenix is really just a cheaper CPU. Yeah, it has integrated graphics, but based on the specs I've seen, it the CPU is about what you what I said, but the graphics seem much weaker. However, you know, it's been a year later. Um, I feel like half of the leaks from my channel have been about APUs over the past few months. Um, and this is stuff where it's like, I'm not trying to read between the lines because I know the cache. I just have documents like showing the, the APU like from multiple sources now. Um, and there's something coming. Well, there's, there's a lot of things coming. There, there's something called Hawkpoint, which is an improved version of Phoenix. I'd say Big Phoenix itself is also a little weaker than we were hoping in the graphics department, but I think that's maybe barely good enough for that. So that's coming out next year. Then you have Strix Point, which is probably going to be 50%, 30 to 50% better than Phoenix. I think that will meet that minimum requirements. And then Strix Halo is going to be wildly powerful enough. And then there's also just like what Kraken, Escher, all these different things they've got coming out. So I do think a year from now, we're going to have more than enough APUs to choose from in. I know that there's three versions of Strix. So there's Halo, Point, and an unknown one. That could be maybe what they're going to use for a Steam Deck too. So I I guess I'm wondering, do you think something that is roughly probably, I don't know, well, Asus claims their devices double the performance of the Steam Deck. It's not. It's not even really 50% better. Um, I, I, I do think Strix Point will be double the performance. I think Strix Halo could be three, four, five times stronger. Do you think that type of stuff will be good enough for a Steam Deck 2? Do you think Valve would go along with that? And like, how do you think that would work best in trying to make some sort of Valve VR device? So let's think of it this way. Um, another thing I noticed from my data mining is Valve doesn't seem only concerned with running VR games uh, in the headset. They seem to be putting a lot of resources and playing, making a flat game experience really good in a VR headset. And I think the reason why is, so I think VR headsets, uh, whether like you know whether you have a nice TV or a bad TV, VR headsets are becoming like these all-in-one infotainment devices where you can put pack in amazing speakers, amazing displays. Like you're getting to the point where you're you're not. You're, you're 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 not you're getting close to the human eye pixels per mm-hmm. degree it's around 60 apples around 40 but 40s mm-hmm. where most people kind of lay um, unless you have amazing eyes so right that's an important distinction just to jump in here because people say oh the human eye can't see this it can't see that they're actually finding like the median is not as good as what most people can see and yeah your mom it might be down here at 30 or 20 actually like 4k <laughs> right. might be the limit for her yeah yeah no, it's 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 like with with these new displays and lenses that are extremely clear and and starting to become a bit more comfortable than something like this from years ago. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like uh, companies are starting to think like, okay, maybe people will watch movies and and and, and watch two D content or even three D content um, with the VR headset that has everything packed in because you can buy expensive projector or expensive TV, then you got to buy the expensive speaker system for everything. Um, some people who might just want to get a infotainment device and all in one VR headset to just do everything and then have the choice to do stuff they do on their computer and screens next to that, or, um, hop into a full VR experience. And I, I do think, um, that is a big thing that valve also wants to do. I think they want to, have the idea where you can pop up giant screens to play 2d games um mm-hmm. 
with what they've built for Steam Deck, basically, but in a VR environment that can do cool real-time lighting into your room or your, your VR space and have amazing audio. I don't know if you ever tried the Valve Index audio, but that's still, to this day, like the best audio system in a VR headset. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're getting uh, very close for sure to do things that people will want to do, um, at least enthusiasts still. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, and, you know, uh, Strix actually comes with an AI engine. So that could be helping with AR. And, and I think it's supposed to be, well, I mean, I literally have the document. Obviously, this is as of like six months ago, but I think it's at <laughs> 20 tops and Phoenix is at 12 tops. So I don't I don't really know what a lot of these other micro AR things or AI th- engines inside of VR devices are. But I think this is a lot better than what they have in those right now, right? Yeah, and I, I think there was even in the Steam Deck Van Gogh, um, there are some blocks on the silicon that's designed for uh, computer vision that mm. was used for another version of that silicon for the Magic Leap 2. I don't no. know if you know that device, but no. Magic Leap 2 actually has uh, a, a version of Van Gogh. I think it's called Muro or something. That's one that of is, the code names for it, yeah. Yeah, it's got a compute puck, and they, they made a compute puck with that Van Gogh chip, and it powers all of their uh, x86 AR stuff. So that's something maybe you, you should... Uh, like if, if you if you if you want to see this uh, this concept of compute pucks in action, Magically Two is already doing it today. So, yeah. But so, I guess, I guess this just gets me to trying to zero in on the question, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Strix point goes down to fifteen watts. It'll have sixteen compute units of RDNA three point five. My understanding is that it really is like three point five. Like it has mm-hmm. half of the features of four. It really is quite a bit better than three. So sixteen of three point five versus eight of two. Yeah. Yeah, this thing's going to be at least twice as strong. I think even at well, you know, Steam Deck at fifteen watts versus this at fifteen watts will be over twice as strong because they're both at fifteen watts. Like, do you think that will be enough to play every VR game in x86, including Half-Life Alex? you know, well, with like 120 hertz or something in an appreciable way? Like, do you think that's going to meet the minimum threshold? I think it's going to be, honestly. I, I do. Um, and I think one factor that's going to help all of this, uh, because, you know, VR already does free projection, for example. But another thing I got to, this was my last big data mine, which was like a couple months ago. But we found tons, tons of strings related to Valve's next headset having eye tracking built in, mm-hmm. which is, you know, foveated rendering uh, does pretty well d- depending on your implementation. And um, we're starting to see some, even on PC with the Quest Pro, uh, you're starting to see some really big gains for people who do like simulators in VR where they're getting 50, I think like 50 to 100% better performance just by activating um, really and in real final games. Because what I heard. Yeah. From a developer of the PSVR too is he's, the guys like that. There, there's there are times where yeah, it's, sometimes it's like a twenty percent boost, but it is often a one hundred percent. You're saying in practice, it is a hundred. Like another, this is I ask because this is like another person like saying the same thing I've heard. Like like that is a yeah. crazy boost. It, it it depends on the hardware because like uh, headsets run a different eye tracking versions of hardware. Like some might run at a lower rate to save battery. Um, Vario Arrow runs at like 200 hertz eye tracking because the one thing oh, to see. realize about eye tracking is uh, it, it, yeah the, the higher refresh rate of the cameras or whatever is looking at you, the better the eye tracking is because you can predict way ahead of time where they're going to go. Um, 
headsets have IMUs built into them, which allows you to predict head movement, which allows reprojection. Fortunately, our eyeballs don't have. We can't attach IMUs to our eyeballs, so not yet. That, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it you know, Apple. Interest, that's another thing interesting about Apple is they have two cameras per eye, and they mm. put it next to the display, which beams through the lenses to your eyes to get a more direct view. Oh. So I think their eye tracking is really good. Um, most headsets keep the eye tracking and like IR and stuff like outside of the lens housing. Mm. So. Everyone's doing different ones, uh, different ways with it, so it depends on <laughs> how Valve chooses to approach it or whatever else. But that's such a fascinating point too, because I guess if I were to like, what is it like Phoenix? We're talking about. Let me pull out a calculator here. Da-da-da. I mean, yeah, it's entirely conceivable we could be looking at something um, that, at its base performance, is like I don't. I, I mean, well, I. Again, it depends on how efficient it is because the ROG Ally is maybe almost twice as strong as the Steam Deck if it's using more energy than my freaking laptop and overheating. But, you know, we could be looking at something that performs twice as well as the current Steam Deck does, which puts it well within already the minimum spec for Steam VR. But then with foveated rendering, we're actually getting to something that can outperform because the Quest 3 doesn't have eye tracking, right? So you have something here that's probably going to not just outperform the Quest 3 by like (laughs) a double, but quadruple. And yeah, that that would be way more than enough to play Half-Life Alex. It honestly, it might start to feel like how I was using it on my 3070 a couple of years ago, which is crazy. And so that and so if there is a third Strix, it probably doesn't need 16 compute units. It probably just needs 12. That'll make it easily. And then maybe six cores instead of 12 CPU cores. That'll be easily enough. To do that and you keep the ai engine to handle all the other stuff you're doing that's really exciting actually no and, and even if that chip can't do everything you, you could just do either custom silicon or an arm chip to offload all the camera processing or all the other stuff like that's very common these days you always even when you connect your quest 2 uh to your pc your your a lot of that reprojection is happening on your headset rather than on the pc which just just alleviates both systems you know mm-hmm. uh Jed, Yeti, Baldwin, and King Harkinian, and I combine their questions, say, Hi, Tom and Bradley. The PSVR 2, MetaQuest Pro, and Apple Vision Pro all predominantly feature eye tracking. How important do you think this technology is, and how do you think it can be used to improve VR and XR? What are the odds that Valve includes eye tracking on the Deckard? Sounds like it will. And for that matter, will foveated rendering be common on all upcoming VR headsets besides the Quest 3, I guess? It... it- it really is uh, unfortunate the Quest 3 doesn't include it because I do think it's like, you know, even if you told me in 2016 when I started that in, in almost eight, ten years, we wouldn't have eye tracking in every headset, I would have I would have thought you were crazy. But it, it really has been a slow trickle. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think I do think eye tracking is uh, even if people don't use it for phobia rendering, I, I think the, I think companies are going to want to do it for the interaction like. I, everyone wants to copy Apple with, with, with things, and I think the the look around and select stuff might might catch on for uh, other companies that want to do it too. So, um, so I, I have a question though. Like, what do you think a, a Valve is actually going to go with though for the Steam Deck? Like, let me just flat out ask you: Like, when do you think the Steam Deck Two is coming out? Which of those APUs that I've talked about, Halo, which uses like a in total 300 to 400 millimeter squared APU that's 
stronger than the current gen consoles by actually a notable amount. Strix Point, that's like basically the successor <laughs> to what they have now in the ROG Ally, but it's it's quite mm-hmm. a bit better. It's going from eight to twelve cores, going from twelve to sixteen compute units, way better architecture. And then I, I'm pretty sure there's a Strix three that's probably going to be, and I'm guessing, but it, you know, some kind of weaker thing. But maybe they beef up the GPU enough so the Val, the Steam Deck two can use it. Like, what do you think Valve would actually go with, and when do you think that would come out? I think um, this, this this third version that you're talking about that it's not like that might be lower power. I, I really think. Um, that might be, yeah. I, I'm not even sure at this point. Like, I, I'm not even sure if they will release a Steam Deck that powers a VR headset. I, I'm wondering if they might just do a self-contained VR headset at this point. And well, like, me and you speculated they could like make like a, you know, kind of like a deck of cards device this big yeah. that can either slot into a Steam Deck to chassis, which maybe mm-hmm. would let you upgrade screens and all that kind of like the uh, frame laptops, or you could just. No, the HDMI is on the back of this pack. You just put it on your desk and you have a self-contained thing. Or because it technically only uses 15 watts, a smartphone battery pack can power this device. (laughs) Go get a smartphone battery pack, plug your headset into this thing and put it in your pocket and play. You think think they might just do that by itself and no Steam Deck 2? Or do you think they do Steam Deck 2 with this APU and also use this APU for like the Valve pocket console? Like I, I, I think I, I still think the idea of a puck compute puck is is possible. I'm not sure if they're going to be like average. So, so like he said, like Valve is a small company. I'm not sure if they want to diversify. Like, I think they want to make a big deal about one product at a time. Is basically how I feel. And I think if they like did like a Steam Deck two, but also a VR headset that runs on the Steam Deck two, I think they might be like pointing people two different ways rather than like one focus plan that they might have honestly and i i do think people at valve like do want to push vr um i i know Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's people at valve that still very care uh, very much care about this medium so i i i think they might just like go steam deck vr steam deck vr if that makes sense and like leapfrog between so so you think they might have a new high-end vr device maybe with the option of self-contained power and then the steam deck 2 might actually go with something in 2026 like that's when they'll finally have like i don't even remember like what's what's coming after strix actually i don't know what's coming after strix i don't actually know the code name personally whether it's gargoyle uh you know griffin or cockatrice whatever (laughs) mythical thing they name it but you think more likely a steam deck 2 is that far out and using a different thing yeah i I just i just don't know if they need to segment segment their hardware this much uh yet because i I mean again i i mean maybe i'm like like a bit of a like a conspiracy theorist just hopped up on the vr side of things but like i i do think they might be like, we have the Steam Deck, which is this lower-end uh, accessible gaming option, and then we have this headset that runs all Steam Deck games, flat games, but in like this super immersive environment. Like, mm. you know, you, you can play Portal Two in this like well-crafted portal sphere or something. Like, I don't know. Like, they might push even flat gamers to like try to adopt VR. Not only the VR gamers. That, that's kind of gamers. Is that what VR people call the rest of us? <laughs> Flat gamers? I've never heard that before. Yeah, we also we, we sometimes call you pancake gamers too. But uh yeah, yeah. 
that my bad i'm sorry for derogatory language no but i I think it's funny um well all right let me bring up this question washing machine what wait was machine man nl writes in and asks could a strix halo 8 core 16 cred thread plus 32 compute unit rdna 3.5 at 35 watt hmd be accomplished and if so what possibilities could such a device open up for ar and vr considering you'd have probably around 6600m performance built in i think it could have actually more than that because right strix halo uses a few chiplets it's probably going to be an apu like this big instead of this big in the steam deck and you know it goes up to 16 cores 40 compute units but on one of the documents actually i think two or three of them it directly says goes down to 20 watts and at 20 watts limited to eight cores and probably 20 to 32 compute units like so i don't know do you think that valve would insist on whatever the steam deck uses next would be something in the halo category or in the point category do you think they'd actually ever try to throw a 50 watt apu in there or do you think they're going to insist on 10 to 20 the whole time i think 10 and 20 is way more likely i i think even i think most of these devices are vr devices they they're they're very power hungry. Um, you you don't want to waste all that. They're already power hungry already with like all the the cameras and stuff that's going on. And yeah, I, I think you would have like even Apple, like for example, they, they they put the battery in a in a puck in your pocket instead of on the headset because there's probably a lot of wattage going on there more than Quest Three mm-hmm. or Quest Two, but you know you you it's still definitely a lot of wattage for what they can do and it, it still only get two hours with that uh compute or not compute a uh, battery puck in your pocket so um it's better. you know and i think this was something we talked about yesterday uh, yesterday yesteryear last year as well um is that i think i've seen a lot of people go well you know why don't we push you know, some super big APU down to lo- really low power because then you can fit more performance in a smaller space. And it's like, yes, technically it would be more efficient. Yes, technically it would be 20% better if both were using 15 watts. Also, it costs two to three times more in silicon. <laughs> and you're like yeah. 20% better than the Strix Point offering that was always meant to only use 15 watts. I, I think that's probably a more likely thing they're going to go with because otherwise you're spending so much more for something that's really just trying to be at the pinnacle of technology. It's really making it way too expensive anyways yeah um but i have a a question i wrote down though is you know last time when we were talking though it was like oh we have rembrandt and soon we'll have phoenix and oh apparently there's another version of phoenix isn't that fun (laughs) but now i've leaked i mean let me open up this thing here next year comes i don't know if you'd count fire range technically it's an apu but like fire range strix halo strix point little strix hawk point uh, and then Kraken and Escher. And this is just from AMD. Also, Meteor Lake's going to be pretty powerful. Arrow Lake. There's going to be multiple versions of Arrow Lake and Meteor Lake. It feels like a very new world next year in terms of the micro devices. Like, I don't know if you have any just general thoughts about that happening, even not just for VR, but for laptops as well. Um, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, no, I, 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 I it's, it's, it is crazy. I like, I, I think it's, actually the right choice i feel i don't know how you feel but i think it's uh kind of a i think the people who want mobile they want these socs or apus or whatever um they don't need the dedicated gpus and those things unless they maybe enterprise maybe i don't know but like the mass consumer i think 
everyone wants to be like the M2 chips or the M3 chips coming out. I think that's proven um, that it's a very good system, and you can. I mean, you're you're probably better. I, I'm not. I don't really follow the silicon as much as you do, but I, I think it's a, a good trend because we're getting more efficient designs. It feels like, uh, which allow better mobile products, which is a cool market in itself. Well, when you bring up enterprise, and of course, there's always going to be some people that want some like 100 teraflop graphics card in their laptop for some reason, but. Uh, I actually had someone who does mobile computing, actually like mega scanning and CAD work that has to be done in the field. Um, and this guy said that actually they're thinking about going back to either portable desk, like smaller desktops where they have to carry like one of those like trunk sized batteries around with them in the field, or they're waiting for new APUs because at this point they just need more RAM and Nvidia insists on giving you eight gigabytes and all of their mobile cards. And they're like, and we were, we were talking, I looked up, Phoenix apparently supports up to 256 gigabytes right now. And it's like, well, so they like just there. And I think Strix Halo might support half a terabyte to a terabyte of RAM. <laughs> and guess what? It's just all RAM. Use it for whatever you want. You don't need to worry about your graphics card having eight gigabytes where your system is 64. Like, so I think a lot of this in the professional is actually going to go towards APUs because NVIDIA has been so stingy with RAM <laughs> for this long that it's just not going to be enough. Um, but, you know, I wanted to bring up something here um, that I thought of while I was writing the notes. I, I I'd never occurred to me to even ask before now. Um, so, like... One of the things I leaked recently is that OEMs are planning to drop anything weaker than a laptop 4070 in most of their upcoming thin and light models. Not because Meteor Lake's as good as a 4060. It's not. The, the Meteor Lake's probably going to be like 20% better than Phoenix and cost more. But it's supposed to have insane battery life. In fact, I believe the IO tile uh, has two micro cores in it. So when you're in sleep mode or idling, it actually turns off all of the cores. And then the, so the idle power savings are going to be absurd. And they're like, if we don't put a dedicated card that has to be on standby at all times, we can go from a nine hour battery life to a 18. And yes, even a 4050 is like two times stronger, maybe, or more than that than meteor like. But it also gives you half the battery life, and now we don't need to cool this NVIDIA card, write drivers for this NVIDIA card, worry about Windows switching between the integrated and non-integrated. And it's like, if we can market 20 hours of battery life versus 10, are people, and it's cheaper than the option that, it, like, they think most people will go for that. But I've never heard of anyone testing Intel for VR Right. And in my recent testing of Intel integrated and dedicated graphics is to this day, like, I don't know, it just still can't run half my games. Like, and I mean, it won't boot it. And like, I had a dedicated Intel graphics card that ran Battlefield 2042 worse than AMD's Rembrandt APU. And I'm like, how is that even possible? <laughs> like, that your drivers are this bad. And then the integrated ones couldn't even boot it without crashing. Have you ever tried Intel for VR? Uh, me no but i want to shout out uh, uh they're called babble tech reviews they actually do a lot of vr benchmarking uh with a lot of different gpus they tried intel originally vr just couldn't work on intel because drivers um apparently more recently this was a few months ago uh they they reported 
they, they compared it against, uh, what was the A770 against a 3060. Still worse than a 3060, a lot of issues with drivers, but no one's buying uh, Intel, or even, honestly, AMD uh, GPUs for VR right now, for PC VR. So, Just do drivers. Endless writes in, Hello, would you offer some commentary on how well the current gen of graphics cards perform in VR games and other VR applications? From reviews that I've seen, it seems that AMD mostly works but underperforms in VR relative to NVIDIA uh, and Intel's not existent. Why might this be the case and what could these companies do in the future with their GPUs to make products stand apart from the competition? So I'm sure you've, and technically you have used AMD for VR with with the Steam Deck and with the ROG Ally, how would you summarize AMD versus NVIDIA versus Intel performance right now? So Intel is just not... I, I don't think they're a good choice for VR in general. Um, AMD, I had a 6950 XT before my mm-hmm. 4090. Um, I actually was pretty happy with the performance in VR on that card. I had a lot of VRAM, which for a lot of the stuff I do was very very useful um and I, I think when i bought it especially it was it was very mature the drivers were very mature so like a lot of the lot of vr issues that that series of cards had was pretty much gone and just took a while um now with the 79 or the 7900 series or 77000 series uh, at least the chiplet designs they're really bad for VR right now. And like, you've tried just, like the XTX directly and it just yes, doesn't, yes. it runs worse than the 6950 XT or something. It, it does. Yeah. Jeez. It just, it, it has a lot of like, it, it just doesn't work very well. Like it's, it's worse as you say, which really sucks because, um, I want to use that card more than my 4090 personally, because, um, I want to support AMD for going with DisplayPort 2.1. <laughs> like well, that's, that's big that's, for VR too, isn't that's it? That's really big. For, I, yeah. Everyone talks about how you don't need that much bandwidth for VR. That's the one place you you want everyone to switch to DisplayPort 2.1 because we're already hitting the limits uh, pretty easily with with the DisplayPort 1.4a for VR headsets. Um, like this thing. This is 2560 by 2560 per eye. So 2560 by 2560 times two. It's a lot of pixels to drive. And we're not even, this is not even an HDR headset. You start getting the 10 bit bandwidth and stuff. Um, But yeah, AMD is still like their drivers. uh, It's still not good for 7900 series. Uh, NVIDIA, I use 4090 now. It it does run really well. Like it's just fantastic. I have, yeah, it's just NVIDIA just works for VR, and that's why most people go to NVIDIA for VR mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so that's interesting. So, yeah, you say like the Steam Deck and the RGLI really impressed you with how well they worked for their size, yeah. but those are using RDNA too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just worked. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I think, uh, I think a lot of the problems that are happening with the, current gen of amd gpus for vr is just related to the chiplet communication and like it just doesn't seem to be suited for vr yet in terms of the drivers i think it's purely a driver thing still well you know this may interest you this was months ago because you know amd said there would be this you know level of performance with rdna3 and then it just clearly wasn't what they said um i put out a series of videos where i talked to some people at amd Uh, including people who worked on RD... I guess I won't say where they are now or how they did, but they said that 
there's always bugs when you're finishing up an architecture. I've, and, and like a lot of them got mad at what some people said. Like, we're like, well, I don't want to buy silicon with bugs in it. They're like, All silicon has bugs in it and we program around it. Like, that's hyper complex. But one of those things that happened was like artifacts appearing when you were gaming. That's something that's in like all new graphics card architectures. And then they finish the drivers. Apparently, a few months before the drivers were to be done, some of the artifacts they thought would go away wouldn't. And then they were like a few months before release and they're like, guys, we can't make this go away. And I think what they found is it was some communication between the the memory chiplets and the central chiplet. And they had to add some driver stall last minute. And apparently they got it working the day before they unveiled (laughs) RDNA 3. And they actually wanted it to launch on Black Friday, but it came out December, which is a really weird date. Yeah, because they it wasn't working till then. And apparently what they didn't realize, though, is the fix they had always had a performance hit that was never fixed. And so when they showed off those graphs that were better than what we got, that's how it performed with artifacts. (laughs) And they never fixed it. And they're still trying to fix it. And so when you say, like, there's some driver issue with VR, it's like, I'm sure something (laughs) with that issue has still not been solved when you're using it for Um, vr like how bad is it though like does it just not boot the games freeze or it's it's just very stuttery mostly like all the frames stutter which you know you don't want you don't want that in vr it makes you it makes you feel weird um again it really sucks because like i want to switch to amd because uh again i'm very enthusiast user and um I'm very interested in doing VR stuff on Linux and like that's just a that's a omega no go <laughs> for Nvidia for example. So I like yeah. I have two different poisons like I got to choose from. It's really a unless I want to go back again, which I I can't now cuz I already spoiled myself with the 4090 for VR. Yeah, maybe it doesn't have the output you want, but it is a lot. I mean it's it's like double the performance of the 6950 XT yeah. with newer features um around it as well. Yeah. Um okay, well that's all of my questions having to do with c- most of the computer hardware stuff. Um, but if that's, if it's okay, I'd like to start working through some of the more bigger picture VR questions to kind of close out this episode. Yeah. This summer, Jesse's excited to lay back and, well, if we are being honest, try to get some of my friends and family to give them their hamburgers, hot dogs, and noodles while we're making dinner and having cookouts. Which, honestly, I don't think she even really cares that much about which piece of human food she gets, whether it's healthy or not. But that's where me and her differ, because I do care. The older I get, the more I notice. The healthier I eat, the better I feel. And that's why I eat Vite Ramen. This piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers a ton of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, and their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break, whether at the office or working from home. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off a variety of different products, including special bundles just for Moore's fans, raw nudes, if you want to make up your own recipe with these noodles, and other food products and cooking utensils as well. And remember that no matter what you get from Vite Ramen, if you use the link in the description and the offer code, you are supporting Moore's Law is Dead, in addition to supporting this plucky and rapidly growing company. So support Moore's Law is Dead by supporting Vite Ramen today. Um, Timothy Baldridge writes in and says, Hey, Tom and Bradley. 
I'm one of those people who dreamed of having VR, a holodeck really, since I was a kid. But in many ways, I feel like VR hasn't found its killer app yet. Cell phones hit this when they became smart devices. It wasn't the telephone features that made it a must-have, but the fact that you could run so much of your life off of it no matter where you were. A smartphone is a TV, web browser, video capture device, texting platform, form of payment, easy access to your personal info for <laughs> intruders. And suddenly now, 15 years later, people look at you strange if you say you don't have a smart smartphone like you're crazy. So much so that it's stranger to not own a phone than it is to not own a computer. In many ways, I feel like VR is a bit like most crypto tech. Cool ideas, innovative technology, but there isn't anything that it's doing better right now than we can do right now with other things. Also, people will speculate on how VR could be used, but as of yet, nothing has emerged that turns that into a reality. What do you see as the tipping point, there even is one, that makes VR go from a novelty for most to something that everyone buys the first time they have the spare change? What will it be that makes people say, wait, what? You don't have a said to, uh, headset? What? Do you have a car? Do you have a house you live in? What's wrong with you? Like they would if you said you don't have a smartphone. And I'm also just going to say, uh, Wonder, Wonderbread, spelled in a really weird way, uh, also says, Half-Life Alex is amazing, but I can't think of any other games coming out that make me want to get a VR device right now. I thought I'd put those together. The first question is the main question, but then maybe add on if you think games are coming out that will make you want to get it as well. Uh, I've, I started in VR as someone who wanted a next-generation gaming experience. Uh, ironically, I've actually drifted out of the gaming stuff. I, I've become very social and like computing-focused. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot more interest there, what you can do. Because uh, at the end of the day, there are things you can do in flat gaming you can't do in VR gaming. And it goes same opposite ways, too. Um, and right now, there's not enough volume for amazing VR games to keep me interested or, or make me believe that gaming is going to be that mainstream reason to adopt VR headsets at this moment. Um, what I think is going to push it a bit, I, I I do think for the masses, I do think this AR push that people are kind of going for, I do think that will be very interesting for people. Um, I, I think the idea where we had to... So, so I don't think it's going to reach smartphone. I don't think it's ever going to reach smartphone uh, for like maybe 20 years, honestly. Mm -hmm. But the way I see it as a more more interesting than a smartphone is the one problem with a smartphone is you always have one hand that you can't use uh with these headsets you automatically become a two-hand species again mm. and you not only do that but you have your full space to interact with instead of a tiny screen and i don't think there's gonna be like one killer app that like makes like everything projected i think this idea of multitasking a multitude of different 3D or 2D apps throughout your whole home or most of your home is really going to impress people when they have that that, that one demo and like they can see, oh, I, I don't <laughs> like I really do see a point where people might be like, oh, I don't need a, a buy a TV for every room anymore. I can just have one place digitally. Um, that's the best high quality 3D TV uh, with the best audio um, for me. That's formed for my ears and my face um 
I, I think it's going to start as an infotainment system that's like a, a volumetric infotainment system is going to be the killer thing. And it's just going to progress slowly from there into being, you know, productivity is another thing people are focusing on. I think we're, I don't think productivity, um, I should say, I think the hardware is getting close to the point where you can do some productivity stuff. Like, you know, you can do coding and stuff like, but I, I still don't think that is going to be, a killer you don't think every cubicle is going to have three monitors and a meta pro while you're typing at the same time anytime soon like zuckerberg seems to think yeah that was that hardware was not even close for <laughs> productivity um but you know I, I i actually do like i i think it's really surprising um i think people will be really surprised if they can like do everything they do even on their their pc so my my, my i have one of those extremely wide 49 inch wide yeah. monitors I, I i love the thing um but i love to put on this vr headset that's comfortable uh do everything i would normally do on that monitor but instead of just doing it alone in my 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 this room <laughs> that's poorly decorated uh, i can go into any environment and it's, it's kind of like meditative um just doing stuff i would normally do mm. in that environment and and, and like Attach, I can attach trackers to my keyboard or other objects that I need to see. Um, I, I think people will be surprised how nice that is. And like, it, it's calming. I don't think everyone's going to do it right away. But I, I think the people, I, I think there will be people that enjoy it way more than their current computing setup, basically. Mm-hmm. So so, it's it's, it's going to be niche for a while still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I guess, what do you think about this? Because the way Zuckerberg's talked about that, too, is like, you're going to have monitors and use this, so you can buy everything, I guess. Um, but isn't really the point, so you don't need to buy monitors for a lot of people, or shouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah, that, that should be the point. That, that should be the goal. If you really want to make a electronic useful for people, you have to think about replacing other things. And that kind of goes back to my problems with the, like, the Quest ecosystem is... So many people plug it to a PC, not even just the Quest 2, but the Quest Pro, because all of their productivity apps, if they if they bought a Quest Pro to do yeah. that, it's all on their PC anyway. Like that XR2 is not going to be able to run just the VR environment and all those Premi- Adobe Premiere or CAD uh, programming stuff all at once. You, you, need, you need all the computing you can get still. Mm-hmm. All right, so... So you don't think there's really going to be a killer app. You, It sounds like you're kind of saying, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the way I interpret what you're saying is it's not that there's one killer app. There's going to be a dozen. They're all using it at the same time. And it's like, look, we just need an Apple Vision Pro that's half the price and half the size and has a long battery life. So it's yeah. almost Google Glass size. So it's not encumbersome. And maybe just pull it out of your pot, you know, and you're always, and it's so easy to use whenever you want. We're probably two decades away from the technology being there though that yeah, everyone I, would want it to, you know in their pocket yeah i don't even think um like the headset i'm wearing is pretty tiny like i don't even think the apple headset with all the computing and stuff going on i don't think it's going to reach that this for like 10 years because this is just like displays and lenses that connect directly to a pc but you know that, that's not where things are going so it, yeah it's going to take a while but i do think what, what you describe. I think it's the overall experience of doing computing in your real life world without being chained to a, a chair or a, a desk is going to be a good experience. It's just going to take a while for it to become mainstream. Yeah. So 
And this was uh, one more question I had here just from me, not from a, a fan, but ultimately, do you think it would be best if VR hardware developers focused more on making tethered PC slash consoles, tethered VR experiences work better, wireless PC, so you're wirelessly connecting to your PC or console with a, a VR headset, or just self-contained, like which of the three real options to go in do you think is the option that most of the development should be going in? I think, uh, ooh. I, I, I do think, um, again, I, I do think what Quest is kind of doing is right um, in terms of like putting compute in the headset. I, I think every headset should have some compute doing stuff on the headset. But I, I think where Quest goes wrong again is relying only on that small chip inside to do everything. I, I really think like having stronger compute, whether it be a PC or whatever, wired wired or wirelessly like I, I think you can do both really if, if you if you have the if you have that chip you can pretty much do both already today i think that's where it should be i want more focus on more compute basically like i, I don't care how it's done i don't think mm. self-contained like even the apple headset i would love if they made uh made it so that you can connect it directly to like a like a M was M two Ultra or something to do even more extreme compute or stuff like that because we, we really are still compute starved and and the it, the more compute the way more you can do so and that's kind of like a cop out answer but like I just I don't think I, I just want more I'm very PC VR focused so I'll well yeah it. I mean we're both yeah. pretty PC focused so there's gonna be but it sounds like you're saying you you think a, a truly successful device needs to be able to do stuff on its own because for being honest half of the apps don't need the yeah. compute but they yeah. need to be able to use a big computer or console because i mean they should be able to do those crazy things when you want them to though yeah it's, it's like how the the rog ally has the what do you call it the, the little slotting put in a dedicated graphics card like i don't know who like some people might find use for that and i kind of see vr headsets as similar to that concept mm -hmm. Um, if you had to pick one of those three, which one? Like trying to make contained VR stronger, oh, God. or third one probably the wired. Honestly, I'm 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 wired still wired with a strong device. Yeah, I'm still very. Uh, you know, I I like I like I like the idea of wireless VR, but you know they they keep bumping up these resolutions and refresh rates and all these things, and I I don't know. We do have Wi-Fi 7 coming out soon, but even mm -hmm. then, uh, I'm, I'm very skeptical that you can have a uh, 4K per eye, <laughs> like HDR, like all that bandwidth transferred without like noticing um, some of that latency or like you know the color banding or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, Arcsign writes in and asks, I've been following VR tech since the original Oculus Kickstarter a decade ago. I got the original Rift and later the Quest 2. The Quest was great at solving most of my usability issues regarding basic VR usability, and the Rift was very finically, especially with its three cameras. But I'm still disappointed overall. Foveated rendering has only just become a thing recently, and I've been waiting for varia focal technology for many years now and i believe nothing sold commercially has come out of it yet i find myself using vr just occasionally mostly because of how tiring it is to my eyes reading text is feasible and it was always possible i guess but it's still not really as comfortable as i want it to be with my quest 2 
Do you foresee any major improvements in the direction of variofocal displays and commercial products coming anytime soon? I don't believe one-to-one visual fidelity is all that important, but I do think what is needed is technology that doesn't feel like you're looking at a screen two inches from you that's strapped to your face. And I think variofocal screens could go a long way in that direction, making it feel natural and less stressful. What other technologies, in addition to this, by the way, do you think are needed to improve the visual comfort of HMDs? And also, do you think high-fidelity wireless desktop VR has a future? <laughs> uh, so to, I'm going to answer the end of that question first. I, I, I think whether I like it or not, I think wireless is like just the way it's going to go, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Um but to the rest of your question, I really do think the next big step. So, if, if we think about so the first generation or the first resurgent generation for consumers was like the Rift and CV1. Mm-hmm. Really, the big the big thing for that generation was six uh, UF tracking, like being able to track you in a space. That was probably the hardest thing that both like uh, Valve and Oculus had to work on to figure out. Uh, and I think the next big the next big thing was uh, standalone by Meta, right? Like uh, having compute on a headset and doing everything all in one. That was probably That's strong, but it does work, and no one it, else really it, did it before. Exactly, it does work. Um, that was probably like the the next big step. And I think we're <laughs> the next step after that was pancake lenses. Getting pancake lenses in a headset, mass produced um, displays that actually are bright enough for that was the next step. One more step up for that is the silic- the micro displays, the, the, the OLED on silicon, micro OLED. That's that's the next step, I think, for hardware. And I think really after I think the next big step after that, in my opinion, should be verifocal. Like I, I agree. I don't with know the, what that even means though. Okay, yeah, I'll explain. no, yeah, no worries. So our eyes do something. So you, you, you look at your finger as you put it in front of you close and everything in the background blurs because your eyes are converging on one single thing. In VR you don't do that because you're you have two screens at one single focal point constantly. The idea of uh, verifocal is to be able to tweak the actual focal point that your eyes are looking at those displays. So you can it's kind of it's kind of like I don't want to say like a zoom lens that like uh, it goes to slowly zooms in and out. It's not really like that, but it's similar because the way that we look at things is developers have to know what focal point that headset is set at, which mm-hmm. usually like like something like for software, it's usually like two meters away. So you have to have screens for the most comfortable viewing has to be a certain distance away from your face. If you have stuff up close to you in VR, like you look really close to your hand, things will be blurry, not because it's rendering blurry, but because your eyes can't converge correctly. I know what you're, you're talking about, like when I was playing Half-Life Alex. I know what you mean, yeah. Exactly. I so close to walls, I'm like, oh, this looks t- bad. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's been a, a technology that the that there's been a it's been a technology that's been promised from people for a while. Um, that it's going to be mainstream. Um, I think the biggest issue, I think companies know how to do it. I think companies know how to mass produce it. But the displays are one problem because we just got bright enough displays to use standard pancake lenses. But to have like a good solid state verifocal where no moving parts are in the headset, you need even way brighter displays um, that don't drain a lot of battery. So mm-hmm. it's it's a display problem, I think, more than like a lens problem. I, I think what people want to do uh, is just like how LCD technology is kind of dying 
in in terms of like people want OLED now. Yeah. I think those LCD companies should start looking into this technology where people are making layers of the liquid crystals on these uh, lenses, and they can activate each layer of the liquid oh. crystals to change the focal point. Oh, I see how that that's interesting. Yeah, that's that seems to be like the most promising way for solid state verifocal at the moment. But again, liquid crystals itself just eat up a ton of light. So it goes back to the fact that you need a super bright display at the beginning and then you can start adding these features. Um, yeah, that, that's what I would totally focus on if I was a uh, Apple or where the, these people with t- billions of dollars to throw as the next big thing. I, I totally agree with this viewer. Yeah, I don't think fun. we'll see it for five years probably yeah i would guess not and it's just so funny to think about how we talk about vr going mainstream and blah 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 and someone like me or you i think you know when i put on the quest 2 i was like oh god it's it's almost here this is amazing (laughs) but i can't help but go you know my grandma was using this well she's senile so she wouldn't even know doesn't even know what day it is but if my mom was using this uh she would say this looks really good but ah this is blurry this is that and it's like i just don't think about it because i'm just so used to using digital devices and i probably just my brain's just editing out complaining about things and in 10 years all of this stuff you're talking about coming together we might i'm gonna put on my quest too i think i'm gonna be like this looks so (laughs) bad god this looks like garbage it might it might feel uh, you know it might feel like putting on those red and blue 3d glasses uh a decade ago, honestly. I, I, that's what I hope happens for sure. And uh, yeah, we, 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 we need more high end hardware that pushes that, uh, that stuff. Because as you said, we, we do need, now that you know what Verifocal is, you're probably like, we need that too. Right. Yeah. And, like, that's I, a whole other problem. I mean, like, we're worrying about all this other stuff. And it's like, frankly, we're already getting close to like, well, the PlayStation VR 2 is like 1440p per eye just go verifocal before we even worry about 4k per eye because we need stronger <laughs> hardware for that anyways you know yeah. like that's like this is something that doesn't need stronger processing it just needs to exist so it looks better yeah. kind of like why everyone wants oled now it looks so much better it's it's so, oh yeah yeah it, yeah absolutely <laughs> on that note though i guess i do have to bring up last minute here what do you think about playstation vr 2 we basically just didn't talk about it i guess that tells me a little bit what you think <laughs> about it right yeah um i actually did review it uh i didn't give it the nicest review actually because uh (laughs) there was a few things going on there that maybe to a normal like ps5 owner like light game light vr gamer they wouldn't notice but there are some standards uh in this hardware industry that have been followed for 10 years that sony decided to not care about for getting the brightest HDR experience. And I think it's actually could cause motion sickness for a lot of users <laughs> by mm. making this choice. Um, but overall, I mean, I, th- I think they also need to fix their reprojection system um, that like Call of the Mountain, which was a really good game. I enjoyed it quite a bit. But when you were in some of these really painfully, like, making the ps5 struggle a bit um you would move your head and like things would look like a wobbly oil painting because the reprojection technology that sony is using it's probably the worst i've seen (laughs) in the past five years um so stuff like that needs to be fixed um i think the base hardware it's it's okay like the oled 
they they chose OLED for the blacks and like uh you know the the, the contrast and it's actually the first 10 bit HDR headset that's released to consumers. Um, there's no other headset that does 10 bit straight out the gate. Eye tracking's good, haptics are good, all those things I think are good, but there's still things that uh, I think need to be worked on, and I, I'm worried that Sony hasn't really shown yet mm-hmm. that they care enough <laughs> to to fix these things that I complain about. I, I still think they see the PSVR 2 as like this accessory or toy to the overall arcing PS5. Um, so I don't know. It, it's 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 like in its own weird category, I feel, compared to everything else going on. I, I don't see it as something that's pushing the limits mm-hmm. of this medium. It's just like it's good for PS5 owners, and that's it, I think. Well, so the unfortunate thing is I haven't tried it, right? So I can't really say if it gives me motion sickness or not, because yeah. I think, you know, like you like, I, I, I imagine, well, you know, let me, <laughs> let me put it this way. My brother, Dan, gets sick um, in cars all the time, even if he's driving. Yeah. I do get car sick, but if I'm driving, I never get sick. Meanwhile, and... And games like Mirror's Edge make him sick. Like, it, they did, and I had no issue. I found it hilarious. Uh, and VR seems to make him sick more often. In 3D movies, he said they always made him sick. Those never make me sick. Mirror, even the bad ones, like, what was it? There was that, like, Titans one that was one of the early ones that, like, wasn't actually a 3D movie, and they made it 3D last minute to try and oh, get yeah, people yeah, to yeah. see it. And I was like, this is pretty bad, but it didn't make me sick. <laughs> Right. Meanwhile, if I get on a boat, I am just instantly seasick and he's never sick. So like what makes each individual motion sick is just different. And I would imagine that what makes you sick is different than me because I've never felt sick from games. It doesn't PSVR yeah. one didn't bother me somehow. Yeah, it yeah. just has a low resolution. Uh, so I imagine that might not. But I wonder how much of the reprojection issue that they also use on PSVR one. How much of that issue is that? the graphics just around it looks so much better that now it's obvious and maybe you're just used to better devices and how much of it is, no, it's pretty bad. You know, like it's pretty bad. So, um, I, uh, Ooh, <laughs> there's a joke for VR chat. Um, I'm sorry to mention VR chat again, but it's rare where you're in a, a world that it's not, that it's running over 45 frames per second. Um, but, Luckily, um, the reprojection on SteamVR or whatever is pretty good. Even on Oculus, it's really good. Even on the Quest 2, reprojection, very, very good for those dropped frames. Um, but it, it's just PSVR 2's reprojection is just, just really... It, it is wobbly. I, I really think it's just uh, the wobble of all your edges. It just makes... It makes you feel like you're drunk, like like actually. Um, it got so, and it's not just me that feel this way oh, about no. the reprojection. I, I'm not doubting that, you know. No, yeah, like um, it, it got to the point where people were asking every de- everyone who bought PSVR two, they would always go straight to a developer that announced a game, and the first question was, "Are you rendering at native res or are you reprojection?" And the companies that said, "Oh, we're rendering at 90 hertz native res," which it can go up to 120 hertz, mm-hmm. the headset. People rather have the 90 hertz version because the reprojection is just so wobbly. It's a better experience to have um, native, even if it's a lower refresh rate. So it's it's a problem, I think. And how much do you think that's fixable with just? Do you think that is fixable with software? Probably though. 
It, it is. It is. Again, it just comes down to if Sony wants to, to do it. And I, I think they should have the resources to fix something like this. Well, like it's, it's, They've never been richer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other problem I had with it, which, which was, um, so <laughs> if you want another little lesson, uh, so displays, they run usually at what they call 10% duty cycle, which means the display is actually on for only 10% of the frame. It's all black for 90% of the frame. Your mm-hmm. eyes don't notice it, but when you move your head, uh, that 10% duty cycle actually makes it so things don't have like a ghost image or a blur okay, when you move your right. head around because your eye, your eyes kind of like m- can connect the dots automatically. Um, and and my problem with PSVR two was they kind of ignored this like standard of 10% duty cycle and kind of went for a higher one to get way more brightness because they wanted like a super mm. bright image like HDR or whatever. Um, but some people like me and other people I talk to get a little, a little sick when you move your head around, not only just because of the reprojection, but combined with this other blur that you're getting from how they chose to run the displays, it was just like, I don't know, it, it makes me scared to recommend to people because if they are, if they do get motion sick, they might just think the entirety of XR is like this. So I'm a little harsh on stuff like that. <laughs> Do, do you think so? The que- I have two follow up questions to this. Then, like, do you yeah. think if they ported support to PC, like this would be a great device if all the developers were just using it correctly, um, and then therefore they can fix it? Or do you think this maybe isn't a good standard for them to build on for ten years? Because that's how I think about it: is Sony's going to make one every five to ten years, and this is the standard that they want every game to use, and then they're going to move forward. Like, do you think it's a good base? Or do you think maybe it's not as good of a base as the much, much, much cheaper PSVR 1, which, yeah, I mean, it was cheap, but it was cheap, you know, at least it had that going for it. I, I think it's still a good base. I just think all the, the choices they made, whether, like, like again, I, I really do think they did the, the, the low or the high persistence thing, the, the brightness thing as a marketing. Like, marketing was like, yo, we can make these things brighter and advertise it as, like, the brightest headset sold. Um, but that could be tweaked with software if they really wanted to. The reprojection thing could be tweaked with software. I do think the base hardware is is fine for what they're going for, a, a VR gaming device. I just I really want them to fix those things um, mm-hmm. and, and really push. You know, I, I hope they are pushing a big library content too because the, the I don't know. So, so like I, again, I'm not much of a VR gamer. Anymore, I would like to remind people I'm not much of VR gamer anymore. I like I like a lot of different things in VR, not just gaming. Um, gaming's the weaker side, but so far I've not been too impressed with the library because um, like, there was a couple games I thought were awesome, but the rest have been like ports. So I hope Sony does actually fund some of their their big developers to bring stuff to the platform if they really want people to buy a PS5 and a PSVR2. And pay for the uh, subscription to go online with it too. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird one because I always thought like they were just poised to go for it. And the same way I thought Meta was as well. And to me, it just feels like Meta's playing it safe. I guess they're just both playing it safe, though. I guess there's issues with the VR two that you're pointing out, but like it's like I just thought maybe they'd have more games, bigger game, bigger like a Half Life Alex at launch, and they'd go for a cheaper price to go for it, but. I almost feel like Sony is just blinking at what it could be a huge way to take over at least a part of a market right now. 
I I totally agree with that. Like I really think uh, if if they if they really put like maybe maybe that may surprise us with the holiday season announcement. I'm not sure, sure but like. I do think uh, on the VR gaming side, I do think they still do have a chance to like make the meta gaming stuff look poor in comparison to all the experience Sony has with gaming. Um, meta is not a gaming company. I, I, I think they, I really think Meta like is just wants to get out of gaming as fast as they can, but they kind of can't <laughs> because of how they position their devices for so long. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's all up to Sony. I think I think they have a good base hardware. Fix the things I really think might make people return PSVR 2s once they try it, um, and then really push out, fund fun, fun that content. People want content for their five hundred dollar mm-hmm. accessory. You know, it's, it's I mean, not- at least that they should do is like find a way to add a VR mode to every game or some side missions or something that uses it, so that if you have a VR device, it's like you can at least say there's a hundred games you can play. Yes, yeah, some of them it's not the full game, but it seems like. If they're not going to do that, patch it and drop the price to four hundred, then they just don't yeah. take this. They're not serious people. Then, like they yeah, decided it, it, not to be serious. It, and, it, and it's and like the first thing a, a lot of people in the VR circle was kind of like felt they kind of felt what you're saying because like you know every every VR headset you own, whether it's PC or what um, Quest, every time you turn on the thing, put it on, you're put into a VR environment. Like that was it may not be amazing or pretty depending on the processing but you're put into a full vr environment with a full like tailored operating system to get into the next app you want to do um psvr2 you turn on it just puts you in a black void with the flat psvr2 menu in front of you which just it just again it just doesn't feel like they want to put that much effort into it compared to their competitors which yeah, I don't think it looks as good if you really do want to compete with someone like Meta who is subsidizing these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird move. All right. I got one final question. Dead Eyes writes in. He says, hi, TMB. This has been addressed on Moore's Law said before, but I'm interested in Bradley's take and to see if Tom's opinion has changed in any way since I asked it. Why do you think we haven't seen asynchronous time warp applied in a desktop setting yet? Minus Tech Tips had a video on it that seemed to show that at reasonably high refresh rates, especially 60 plus, provided really good motion smoothing while producing artifacts that most people weren't bothered by. Granted, there weren't many fine textures in that example, so I don't know if there's something they're hiding, but it seems like this could be a competitive tech to DLSS 3. Trading increased artifacts at the edge of the screen for decreased overall latency, uh, or perhaps NVIDIA could further smooth DS- DLSS 3 by adi- adding an ATW frame between each real frame and AI frame, ideally based on the real frame. Do you have? Do you see any future for ATW on desktop? Because no one seems to be planning to use it. So um, I didn't. I didn't watch that video, unfortunately, about it. But like the way I understand ATW works for all these systems is they really rely on the the head tracking of the headset and that's why it works so well for vr because um you know it's not the cameras or it's not the the lighthouse sensors that's doing the tracking in the headsets um they're just caught they're fixing drift for something called the imu which is just like basically a compass a magnet bunch of sensors that can tell where you're about to rotate and these things run at a really high refresh rate really really high so when you start moving your head, the, the software sees that and can start rendering or making frames based on smearing that image to the left or right based on where you're 
rotating your head. I, I don't know how you can do that uh, for a flat game because it, it can't really... You're, you're not moving your head. You're moving your, your, con your controller joystick or mouse, which seems like you wouldn't be able to have that that wealth of prediction data that allows ATW to work mm -hmm. so well for VR, for example. Well, the one that Linus TechTip said was actually uh, uh, it was a, a, some pancake gamers, uh, as you would call them, um, and that it was on a flat monitor. Yeah. And it, it worked. It's just <laughs> when he says artifacting on the edges, yeah, it looked like a funhouse mirror on the sides of the monitor. <laughs> uh, and, but they did say it felt like a higher frame rate than it was. Like they said it did. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess his question just is, do you see this going anywhere? I, I don't actually even remember my answer to him. Um, I think it was something to the effect of, I could see something like this added. Oh yeah. Dan said, you know, NVIDIA is just bragging about having the most amount of fake frames so they can pretend <laughs> they're stronger. I, Dan said, I think AMD should just do it. Use ATW to say you have a thousand frames, whatever number <laughs> gets people hard. And then they can pretend they have the biggest number, even if no one's actually going to use it. And maybe that'll help with marketing. That was Dan's yeah. take that made me laugh pretty hard. But I, I understand that it might even work better in VR, though, because it's, you know, contained space. Yeah, I, I really do think for, for you know, I, I still do play flat or 2D games, too. Like, don't, don't think I'm like a purist or anything. Um, but like, I would much prefer all my friends be native for that use case than, <laughs> than yeah. all these uh, other tricks. It just, it just, it, it it looks better, way better. We we have to we have to do this for VR because if you drop too many frames, people get sick. So that's right. why they, they it's do better it. to do that instead. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It, yeah, Dan's suggestion was, I really hope this doesn't happen, but maybe AMD will have the DLSS three fake frames, and then they'll <laughs> add ATW fake frames. So on all their graphs, they can oh. just be like, "We're so strong." See, <laughs> see, Nvidia, we're so strong too. Oh um, man! But I think most enthusiasts will just know to ignore all of the fake stuff um well that's all the questions i had i mean i don't know if you had anything else you wanted to talk about um just to add to like maybe i i would like to see this a little bit more um as a closing thought to like this idea of will people play two game uh 2d games in a vr headset i think uh what's really interesting is I, I see. I see a lot of like ideas where you can take the death buffer that games already have um, from 2D games, like to tell where things are close to you or not. If you could have like a 2D window and your flat games just automatically can pop out objects like trees or stuff that are in front of your character closer to you, give you like a 3D game feeling in VR. That would be pretty interesting, and I just I I want people to think about that a little bit because I've been thinking about that, and I want to try it soon. So, <laughs> well, you know, there's also another interesting thing here. Like, all right, so trying to force a 2D game to be 3D is going to have all types of bugs and issues. Yeah, but if we can make it look like there's a high-end 8K screen in front of you in a VR device. That's four feet away. Maybe we can use foveated rendering with it. And then it might get to a point where it's like you're gaming in 2D, but it looks so much better than if you were using a display because foveated rendering is doubling. Yeah. Right. That would be an interesting solution as well for a lot of people that look again, if you're I think I might be one of those Luddites where I just, you know, I'll pay extra. I don't I like using speakers. I like walking around my house with like something blaring instead of putting it <laughs> on my head. 
I yeah. like the physical, but I'm like, I'm, I was a mechanical engineer. I think I'm just a physical person. Um, but for most people, that might be a way cheaper way to like, <laughs> hey, look, maybe if I had the money, I could like have a 5090 running this at 8K. But if you could make it work with a, you know, I don't know, like a 8600 XT and <laughs> it looked just as good. I mean, that's so much cheaper for most people. That'd be the way to go. Yeah. Yep. And you can trees pop up every now and then too, maybe in front of you. That that TV is completely software updatable. They can throw whatever features on that two 2D screen that they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true too. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Well, okay. I guess speak now, then again, or forever hold your peace. That's going <laughs> to do it for this episode. I really want to thank you for coming on though, Bradley. Please plug anything, assuming your channel, but like, where can people find you? <laughs> you can go to bradsmells.com slash YouTube or bradsmells.com slash Twitter. Okay. And then, of course, thank you to everybody for listening. Please subscribe to Moore's Laws Dead on YouTube. Ring the bell button so you actually see the things that I put out. Like videos, share them, support me on Patreon as well. There's exclusive content there. You can ask us questions. There's so much there for you if you have the extra money every month. And um, otherwise, have a good week, everybody. And thanks for watching and listening. You pancakers. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month, and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John Philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey, 
If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it, the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, E. Jits, Daniel D, Aaron Close, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Brian Rickleman, Sam Miller, MJB1, Deke, GZ Ziggy, SNES Chalmers, Jerem Ferriera, Andrew S, Falco Malev, General Drips, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Eric Jackson, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Greg Guanchek, Chris Rich, Nicholas Buckner, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Jesse Jaskowiak, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Blake, Hardforum.com, Franco Frederick, Shredbird, Dr. Forbin, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Zlicky, Ricky Tan, Christopher A. Butler, Stefan Hart, Meet and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Ian Clifford, Travis Gooding, Nanyan, Sammy Malas, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Crow, Stefan, Jordan Simkovic, Amiable Chief, Aaron, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, Julian Leaked, I Should, Mark Raidmaker, The Boss Haas, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Johnson N, Cameron, Was He Sager, Henry Zhang, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Roger Davies, Cameron, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Meyer Tech Rants, Reginald Ari, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, Frank Selinski, Neithra Zink, The Eternal Dreamers, JSMMH, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, AWS Danny, Loophole 35, Windstar, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Hassan Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I-7-11-700K, Joe Foot, Hardland, Schlushpaw, C2, Jansen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Him Sagung, Tails 2299, Stephen Santiago, John Sifos, Erthoris, The Forbidden Juice, Fenty CZ, Kiko Sato, Toka, RV Racers, Fen, There Jansen, AC, Clint Sundin, Ben, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Man, Alex Vega, Freedy, John Swin, Rodent, BC, Joey Strong, Brian Wright, Tim 1K, Joe LaMartina, Kikum, Elver Gunn, Solarized 80, Christopher Ricks, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>